Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. What is shaking, Daniel? I'm enjoying a good cup of coffee. Me too. We have we have dual <laughs> dual coffee set up now, so we each get coffee. Because Daniel didn't have enough jobs, uh, somewhere along the way he became the office barista. How back in the day I how was did, the office barista. How did barista. this transpire? Can I please get a venti green tea caramel frap? Extra cocoa powder, one pump caramel, non-fat classic syrup, one pump toffee nut, one. Pump one day I came sauce, in, one pump mm-hmm. white, and there is a new coffee syrup, maker. By the way, we're in a freaking bear market. You're just all up buying new coffee makers. We have to chat about that in our next corporate meeting. Anyways, uh, staff morale. <laughs> there's a new Except coffee maker, and I'm informed that we have a new daily brew. It's true. We have now uh, a uh, mild roast and a dark roast. And is there an app letting us know what this brew will be? Like, where do I download the app? Oh, I text it to the people who will actually drink it. Wow. So how many is that? Three of us. Oh. Logan doesn't drink coffee. No, no. But we have a new person starting soon. Yes. Now, um, I, you got to keep this up, though. This cannot, This this you just have to do it, even if nobody drinks it. Well, there's a training protocol. I understand. But what I'm saying it. is in, in three months from now... You you gotta keep it going. Like you could be the only one. That's how these things work. Remember early stages of DIY money, like DIY money. This is gonna be awesome. Daniel's like, what what are we doing? And then you were on, and then it was yeah. just you and I th- enthusiasm and our five listeners. And now, how many four hundred some odd episodes later? People think five is a joke, but literally there was five listeners. Literally, the there like, might be five for listeners. I was six like, or ten episodes. Is this thing broken? Are we really getting this out there? There's not like my mother, my sister, your wife, my no, she's wife. She's never listened to it. It's like what? Did, what is happening? So then, who was those? Anyways, well, you listened to it multiple times. I had to. I had to critique us. I had to determine where we were failing and where we were striving and all the rest of this stuff. And now, now we've come so far that we have a corporate sponsor, which I'm really excited about. Me too. Let's talk about that corporate sponsor for a minute. Jewel Financial, pronounced, well, pronounced Jewel Financial. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> pronounced how it's pronounced. <laughs> Spelled J-O-U-L-E, Jewel Financial. I always like when somebody... Uh, comes around me and is like, "Hey, how's how's uh, Joe Lay doing?" And I'm like, "And I don't I don't want they they made a point to state the name Holy. or tried to, so I don't want to sure. kind of knock them down." So I'm like, "Really good. Yeah, thanks." Jolie. It's really good. And then and but if they say it a second time, trying to make sure like then I got to correct them. Mm-hmm. It's not Joe Lay. So you don't just go, Jewel is a fantastic. No, because then that's like a subtle, like, I, no, I make a point of it. Like, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, it's Jewel. <laughs> you make Not a point? Jolet. Yeah, yeah. You of all people. Yeah, well, you have to. I think yeah, I go over. It's like when somebody has something on their mouth. I'm not that guy who pretends it's not there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, you got something on your cheek. You know, you got something right there. Like, let me get it for you. Hey, your fly's down. You know, I'm that guy. You are. I, I don't. Th- you I just say don't, it as it is. I, yeah, I hope somebody does that to me. They do. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> um, all right. So we had a little technical glitch. By the time this comes to, to air, it'll be long forgotten. But uh, for a little while, we weren't getting your questions. Apologize for that. Not sure what was going on in the in the world wide web there. But 
we still need questions, so please send us audio questions at podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. Also heard uh, or have seen a couple new comments float through on the iTunes comment section, so that is so helpful. And you all, many of you preface your questions by saying, hey, thanks for the show, keep up the good work, etc. If there's one thing you can do to help us to continue to spread this message, it's to give us a review, preferably a good one. But maybe give us a five stars and then tell us how we suck underneath that. But the five stars, I think, is is what happens uh, and kind of boost the you know boost the numbers. So that would be very helpful. And what else? Our blog, DIYMoney.org, yeah, is, is going. We're still waiting for CFP articles. Are those coming, Daniel? Probably. Okay, let's get those going. Yes. <laughs> All right. We have a we have a, a good question today. I'm surprised we haven't gotten more of these. It's probably because our email system hasn't worked. <laughs> so Brian is going to ask a question about the banking crisis that's uh, that's been kind of going on and and uh, hitting hitting the airwaves. So Brian, what do you got? DIY. Hi, DIY Money Team. This is Brian from Cincinnati. I have a question related to the banking crisis. I hear everybody talking about protecting deposits, depositors, uh, but I don't hear any discussion about what happens to loans that uh, these problem banks have. When a bank goes under, do the loans get absolved? Probably not. Should I be rooting for the bank that holds my mortgage to go under? Uh, just curious, what can you tell us about what happens to loans held by these banks that go insolvent? Thanks. Oh, unfortunately, Brian, you probably know the answer to this. Yeah, the loans don't go away. I knew it! They are uh, basically absorbed by another another bank in pretty short order. So unfortunately, that's not the case. I'll let Daniel speak more to the actual technicalities of that. But I did want to use this as an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about what's happening out there. And if nothing else, some practical discussion about where your money is and understanding where your money is and making sure that you don't fall into uh, some issues with your money Also, and this is probably most important, that you don't make irrational decisions with your money because of fear. So I'm not going to go down a huge rabbit hole here. This would be probably good for a webinar. But let me debunk a couple of things out there, first and foremost, that that are proliferating the airwaves. Number one headline we see regularly, which is a probably a domino catalyst type headline from the bank situation, and that is one day you're going to wake up and the United States dollar is going to be worthless. There's headlines going around that the global reserve currency, that is the United States dollar, is going to cease to be the United States dollar any longer, or cease to to become, be the global reserve currency. I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. Now, I understand people can say, well, anything's possible. And look, anything is possible. But the idea that in short order or probably in my lifetime or my children's that the United States dollar will cease to be the global reserve currency is ludicrous. It's not just opinion. I want you to understand why. When you look across the entire globe, and understand where all 
countries are parking their money. That is the greatest vote in the world for who is the reserve currency. And if you look across the entire globe, upwards of 60%, almost almost 60, 59 and change percent of all global reserve currencies, meaning every country that has excess reserves, hold it in a denomination. Upwards of 60% of all global reserve currencies is held in the United States dollar. That's very important to understand. The next closest at around 20% is the euro. And the next closest thereafter, around 6%, is the yen. Now, what's interesting to note about those two currencies is neither the European Union nor Japan are any of the countries making a claim that they need to unseat the United States dollar as the global reserve currency. So the reality is that we're looking at almost 86% of the entire globe's reserve currency is held in three currencies, predominantly the United States dollar, and none of them are Russia or China. Now, there's also some intricacies, which I will leave for another discussion for another day, such as the petrodollar, right? The idea that all of a sudden we're going to lose reserve status, global reserve status, because we're going to start buying oil and other currencies. Newsflash, you know who the largest producer of oil in the world is? What is your guess? I asked a crowd of 1,500. Nobody knew the answer. Well, they guessed, but they were wrong. United States, even in the current administration, which I would say is not as favorable for oil production, 16 million barrels a day is produced by the United States. The next closest, Saudi Arabia, around 11. And pre-war numbers, Russia, around 10. So even though people can say, well, we're going to start having to buy oil and, and all this currency, and therefore we're going to lose it. No, not going to happen. So please understand that when we see a banking crisis, coming back to the question, all of a sudden it gives others an excuse to start printing fear titles to make you think that, oh my gosh, I got to pull all my money out of the banks, I got to put it in gold, I got to put it in crypto, I got to put it under my mattress, and please understand that that irrational behavior is just as dangerous as parking more than the FDIC limit into one bank, which we would not advise either. I just wanted to brush stroke that because I feel like there's so much misinformation going around, all based in fear, to get you to make dumb decisions we don't want you to do. What say you, Daniel? Wow, how do I top that? We have no response. That was perfect. I'm sorry. I just, I, that's why I brought this question out because... It's an easy answer. We'd be like, nope, you still got to pay your mortgage. Moving, Moving on. on. <laughs> but I do want to give it an opportunity to talk about some of these things because people are just getting terrible misinformation because it's clicks. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to get clicks and fear sells, not rational behavior. Exactly. So uh, what does happen when a bank goes under? Uh, it's actually a pretty orderly process that the FDIC has executed numerous times. So it's it's not like it's a novel thing that we have to figure out every time it happens. Obviously, situations may differ. Uh, SVB was pretty dramatic just in size and scale. 
Uh, but by and large, it follows a, a similar pattern in that um, as a bank is approaching failure, they might be able to uh, sell or merge prior to uh, actual failure. Uh, but in the case of uh, SVB or Silicon Valley Bank, what we saw is the FDIC took control of the bank uh, over the weekend, basically chartered a new temporary bank, a transition bank, if you will, opened up uh, after the weekend under that new bank um, company designation, whatever, and started operating that way. So uh, FDIC placed in you know new governance, uh, things like a COO, uh, CEO, things of that nature, started paying the employees uh, to stay employees um, and kind of be part of that transition and then operated in a way that people could uh, take out their money and, and kind of keep the bank functional. From there on, what the FDIC will do is seek out um, selling off either the bank as a whole or parts of the bank. And so if you think about a bank, their assets and liabilities are effectively the reverse of your assets and liabilities at the bank. So when you make a deposit, that's a bank's liability. They owe you that money back. When you take out a loan, that's a bank's asset. They're they're taking the cash that they have on their books and investing it in a loan and receiving payments and uh, the interest associated with that back. So those things can be sold off to, to other banks who want to then service those loans, <clears throat> mortgages, auto loans, things of that nature, uh, and add those to their portfolio. Because of what the banks uh, transpired, some of the uh, some of the banks that might buy that, you know, will look to get a deal on that, obviously, um, and then all the the other assets that a bank has, things like real estate and office furniture, all of that gets kind of sold off, and then they try to make uh, depositors whole throughout that whole process. So that's a really simplified version of what's happening behind the scenes. There's obviously lots of nuances to it. The cleanest version is, you know, all of a sudden that bank disappears, a new bank takes over it. Eventually, the new bank, uh, the branches have the new bank's name on it, stuff like that. This happened with multiple banks during the financial crisis. What was uh, Washington Mutual was one of the big ones, or some of the other big ones that people would have seen eventually, like the the name got replaced on the door type of thing. Mm. I mean, investment banks are what I think about Lehman, Bear Stearns, but you know there were many smaller banks. It was mm-hmm. the largest. It was the largest um, sort of bank collapse era we've ever seen. I think people would be surprised to know that smaller banks are taken over by the FD, FDIC more often than you would expect. That mm-hmm. there, there's a fifty. I heard something like fifty some. You know, banks in the last several year, couple of years, have been taken over by the FDIC prior to Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley made the news because it was so large; mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a massive institution. But we've been in a quiet period uh, for quite a few years, in as far as bank failures and things like that. And uh, usually, it's not unusual for it to be quiet like that before things start to percolate as the economy changes. So. No question. The reality, though, as a consumer, you can be protected by making sure you're at or below the FDIC limit. Um, brokerage accounts, you can educate yourself about that, are totally different. Uh, you ha- own assets in there. You have investments. Uh, I think back to Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch basically was um, taken out of business and absorbed by Bank of America during the financial crisis. 
people still had their Merrill Lynch accounts. Not like they woke up and, oh, my goodness, Merrill Lynch is out of business and, uh, you know, now we're in trouble. No, they still had their investments in their Merrill Lynch account, et cetera. The business uh, of Merrill Lynch, however, uh, was was um, basically re- repositioned under Bank of America. And that's exactly what would happen if we had bro- brokerage firms that, that fell into trouble um, in this environment. So, again... Rational decisions, follow the DIY money steps. Unfortunately, though, no, your loan does not go away. Yeah, so don't just run out to banks that look weak and take out as many loans as you can. <laughs> not a good DIY strategy. No, but nonetheless, we'll send you a $25 Amazon gift card for that question. It was a, an important one, so we appreciate you sending that our way. And listen, we need questions. We do three episodes a week now. Please do send us those audio questions. Try to keep them under a minute. Send it to podcast at DIYmoney.org. That's podcast at DIYmoney.org. Occasionally, we get written questions. I got one recently. I said, I really know you don't take written questions, but I hope you can answer this. I, it's not the format of the show. I don't understand how we should answer that question. So I might just fire off an email, which... Oh, down! Get a hold of yourself! I don't know. Anyways, nonetheless, send us those audio questions. All right, friends, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.